You want Chinese? They want pizza. And someone is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash, like the Mule or the Press. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code THUNDER. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code THUNDER. Don't forget, that's code THUNDER for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Louis Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilles Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Eight, nine, zero, Look down, two, done, and look! Joined this morning by Andrew. Slam through. Taylor. Hey, guys, what's brown and sticky? A stick. I don't think you trust in... My self-righteous suicide. I hey, why can't you hear psychiatrists using the bathroom? Because the P is silent. Oh my gosh! And Jay, it's Jay. Wow, I don't know how I feel about Dad Taylor. It's my favorite. It's my. I literally was listening to last week's, just chuckling. In my car by myself. Because last week was that my baby won't sleep. My baby won't sleep. <laughs> hey guys, you can find us on the athletic and anywhere else you subscribe to your podcast. <clears throat> oh boy, what a few days it's been, guys, in the NBA. I mean, did it, we say that Jay's here? Hey, I'm here. Okay. It's Jay. I think yeah. I said that. Yeah, yeah, oh. he did. My yeah. bad. It's Jay. Sorry, Andy. No, I mean, it's. I, I mean, I thought as tensions rose at the beginning of this week, that there would be some kind of action taken by the NBA players. I didn't, I thought it would be the Raptors Celtics because they had, there had been talk about them not playing. And then when the Bucks just out of the blue, just decided not to play. I mean, I, I was shocked, but I don't know how shocked anyone really could have been after really hearing Doc Rivers talk after the Clippers win, uh, there was something had to give at some point. I think there was, there's too much frustration amongst NBA players and, and coaches. And, you know, I think a lot of people were frustrated with the Bucks, and that reporting has come out about how players were frustrated with them. But ultimately, I think it was the right thing to do. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little shocked that we're here on Friday after this is shut down for two days, talking about how the NBA is going to start up again. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of floored by that. Yeah. I, uh, Milwaukee was the right team probably to do it. I think, you know, obviously there's ways that could have communicated better, but being the, the team in Wisconsin where this most recent one, um, is taking place. And then I think the kind of tipping point it feels like is when that 17 year old, psychopath showed up yeah like he was the police to to disperse the crowd and shot and killed two people and shot a third and so that's part of it so it's it's their area which i 
it's hard, man. It's um, without, I don't want to dive too deep into either pessimism or cynicism here. And so, but it was at least neat that they got the opportunity to get on the phone. I think it was the basketball, the NBA athletic daily podcast, but, but they talked about how, like in the the locker room with the Milwaukee Bucks is they got the attorney general and the lieutenant governor from Wisconsin on the phone mm-hmm. and somebody legitimately rolled a whiteboard in there uh, so they could take notes, but also kind of learn in the process of how can we best advocate in a way that actually could result in change. And so I felt like that was something, I don't know. I just, I found that really intriguing. And one of the things you're starting to see is this, I think any sort of large scale political activism starts with kind of, micro levels of transformation in the sense of one of the best stories to come out of this that I've heard so far is Chris Paul got the entire thunder registered to vote. Um, those are the things that are at least kind of the early stages of real lifelong, you know, powerful transformation. So Milwaukee being a part of that obviously makes a lot of sense, but then I also like forgetting the Sterling Brown, uh, who had encountered his own form of police brutality. Mm -hmm. Then you had Tabo Cephalosha, who's I forgot was on the box apparently and had his leg broken by the New York police department. Like there's also this personal level to it that made it to where Milwaukee was the right, not the right, but like it made sense that Milwaukee was the team to really kind of initiate this yeah. um, before the game, the magic. Yeah. George Hill has been outspoken, you know, even before all this talking about how he wanted to go home. And I thought, I think they, they, t- they have taken all the right steps here because in a meeting, Andre Iguodala asked everybody, like, okay, if we end this, if we go out of this bubble, is everybody going to Milwaukee? Is that where, because yeah. we all need to, if that's what we're going to do, if we're going to leave this, then we need to all be on the front lines. And I think that that's where everybody kind of stopped to think, okay, I, I don't think a majority of those guys were going to do that. And so if we can't do that, then what can we do? And so it's, I think it's encouraging that these guys are using their power in a positive way and that they're being thoughtful about it and not reactionary because I think everything did need to stop. I think that they accomplished a lot in stopping because they've not only did they stop the NBA, they stopped major sports that are going on right now. Um, I can't remember what baseball team it was last night, but they sang the national anthem and they walked off the field. They didn't play. Yeah. Was it the Marlins? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't know enough about baseball. Well, there was but, a lot of there was a lot minutes. of baseball teams that did different things. Yeah, um, I know there's one team that kneeled during the anthem as well. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I think it's the fact it, you know, and this is it gets bogged down. But I think the thing in the midst of it that it did is it is it reoriented this conversation back to the center of our narrative as a society because fair or unfair it, I mean, definitely unfair, but it faded just like any news story does Mm -hmm. um, to where it became less and less the conversation. And then the narrative gets stolen by, well, look what's happened in Portland and Seattle and it's lawlessness in Chicago. And this is the NBA use their platform, which is what we encourage anybody that has a platform to do to stand up for something that matters. And they brought the conversation back because I was one of those that just kind of early on was like, I just want to know what, what they, what the expectation for um, results of this would be, you know, I just didn't know. And I was speaking purely out of my ignorance, like Mm -hmm. what would they want to see happen as part of this before they felt comfortable playing again, but they did exactly what they, they, needed to do. The conversation is back as part of the main conversation in our country where it needs to be. Um, and so that was, it was, uh, and I, I, you know, like to be a fly on a wall and you get to hear all these media reports, but like those conversations seemed that were happening all the teams together, at least key leaders together in this banquet rooms, just hashing out what it is. And some team people getting frustrated and walking away. Like mm-hmm. you can just tell that this isn't just something for, at least for a good percentage of them is this is not something that's just a flippant thought. It's like real deep conviction that's driving this with these NBA players and leaders. And yeah, um, that's how change really starts, you know, like it really starts by deep convictions that start to make their way out into activity and action. And, and you see it in LeBron James, like that guy has made some transformational steps for the, the city of Cleveland and Akron um, just by taking yeah. his influence and his 
capital and investing it back in the city. And so um, I'm excited. Like I'm excited about the fact that these guys are making plans for how to do something on the other side of this as well, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's cool. the stuff that really is going to make a big difference. And I just want to say for, um, you know, I know that there's a lot of like, well, what did this actually accomplish? Um, but there are reports coming out that there's a lot of tangible things actually happening and conversations happening. I mean, the players, LeBron, like the Clippers and the Lakers saying they're going to leave the bubble. That's a leverage play to be like, Hey owners, we're, we're serious. We're going to leave. So you better like, we're going to talk today, you yeah. know, and they spent a lot of time talking yesterday and there's a lot of owners that have a lot of political connections and, and other connections that are, um, to very powerful people that can make real decisions that can actually change something pretty quickly. And so there's a lot of conversations and a lot of, mm, I don't want to say negotiations, but I think it is kind of negotiate. If players have to use leverage like this, then I guess it is kind of negotiations to get, um, to get bigger things to happen. Tillman Fertitta just, I mean, the Rockets just announced yesterday that they're opening up the arena for voting and Tillman is a, uh, I, I will just say, I don't think he's a very progressive political man. So I think that that's something that, that the Rockets did um, that may have come out of this. Maybe it was planned for a while, but um, I mean, there, there are things happening, but I think the players are reaching for something that's even bigger than what they've done right now that goes beyond just awareness. And so this is stuff, I mean, there might be stuff long-term that come out of this yeah, it's that we'll see later on. So, yeah. The part of it has been uh, like, I don't know if you guys have seen on Twitter that like bots have activated that are like, yeah. say all saying the same thing. And so like part of it to me has, there has been parts of it that it's easy to get um, uh, down about it. And like, uh, like this is like negative. There's a negative part of it, but I'm glad like I, I just keep thinking about like four years ago when Colin Kaepernick first knelt Kaepernick, like Kaepernick. I, I do not watch football, obviously. However, <laughs> um, however, when that happened, um, like what happened to his career? Like he, he has not played since then. And yep. like now to where we are today to where like now it's the entire NBA that's taking stance. Like, I, I really, 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 um, you know, I, I do think it was the right thing to do and, and to, I just, and the other thing that they don't have, they don't have to have things that they, they don't have to have like demands that have them get back to playing they're just drawing attention to the issue, which that would they've done that positive change can happen from that is would, would be great. However, you know, it's not their job to fix the situation, like the, the, the bigger situation they've drawn attention to it. They want to keep doing, and they're going to keep drawing attention to it. And, and I think that is really good. I think I've been, you know, I've been happy that 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 it's really gotten back to the issue because because uh, with all of this, as the as the like attention has gotten away from that, I think that it you know the messages get co opted and by other things, and then there's a million other things coming in, and so I think that has been good. I do think it was the right move. Yeah. I mean, the, the NBA players did have demands of the NBA owners in a meeting yesterday. Mm-hmm. And LeBron said, I mean, the, the Clippers and Lakers didn't show up to the second meeting yesterday. The players waited around for 45 minutes for both those teams. And they had to call LeBron and Lou Williams and ask them, like, what's going on? They said, okay, we're, they said, we're in as long as the owners will do X, Y, Z. And so they got on a call yesterday and LeBron was satisfied with what the owners said they would do. So I think it is, I think you're right, Luke, that there is definitely this, this has brought everything back to the forefront, but then along with it, they've, they put pressure on the owners 
And they and I don't it's it's I don't know how everything moves forward, honestly, because they've set this precedent of something bad happens and people aren't paying attention, then we just stop. So like is there another stoppage that happens along the way? I don't know. I don't think that it's impossible. But um It'll be, I mean, it's just, it's an interesting time. And it's interesting that the NBA is at the forefront of all of this. So, yeah, uh, it's not so, so I will say this, like, it's not surprising um, that the NBA would be at the forefront of this because for black Americans, NBA players are like probably the most influential and well-known black Americans out there right now. Like they're the ones that have the largest platform because, you know, like just look, look at our society and, and reaping the benefits or excuse me, reaping the consequences of this reality that African Americans, black Americans haven't, um, they aren't attaining the political offices because of the system that's working against them or the platforms that a lot of, you know, like, so they they are they are the most prominent people of color in our society. I mean, am I is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's fair to say. You know, and so for me, is it's like they just the fact that they realize the power and responsibility is just an incredibly um, encouraging and powerful thing for me to see. And and you know, like the hard part for me is like watching that stuff. It's like I'm I'm in like. And, and just like, you know, I feel this, this layer of powerlessness and, uh, and it was the first time, like I had this moment a few days ago where I was just like, everything sucks. And then I just yeah. realized like, this is just, but a fraction of what, uh, people of color in our country feel all of the time. Yeah. Um, the other, it was a really yeah. humbling kind of like eye opening experience for myself. So. The other thing that I think is so, so, so important to remember is for years and years and years, whenever a traditionally, whenever an NBA player would, would, you know, step out of, you know, line and, or say something political or make a statement, there would be pundits on TV that would say, shut up and dribble. That's what they've been told for years and years and years. And now I think it's great that they've all as a group said, no, we have power to do something. We have the stage to do something. People will listen. And now we're going to do something to this level. We, we will no longer shut, you know, quote, shut up and dribble. Mm-hmm, that yeah. is, that is not something that we can do anymore. And it's, and it's, Great. I think that is the best thing because for so long, you know, LeBron James, you know, every time he's done something, that's what, you know, there, there's a pundit on, you know, certain cable channels that says exactly that. And I, th- I, I really like that. And, and, you know, going to what you were saying, Luke, like under David Stern, I know that there was not a lot of room for that. So this is a different kind of league too, with Adam Silver, and um, even what the owners are okay with or, or whatever. But, um, you know, allowing these people like Andre Iguodala, Chris Paul, LeBron James to speak and have more of a platform, um, you know, just, just reminding that these guys are leaders. These guys are like leaders, leaders, not athlete leaders. You know, they're not like a coach. I mean, these guys are leaders of men and I don't know. It's just great. Going back to what you were saying, Luke, I agree. Yeah. Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see an NFL playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. And that's why partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure that your Nuggets are safe as possible when they when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and safe skin technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually release their shears 2.0 
nail kit with the perfect add-on, their Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer. This year's 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. The Perfect Package 3.0 with the new and improved lawnmower waterproof cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and the travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a crop preserver and the crop reviver. Use both, both are great. The crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and the crop reviver is a spray-on toner. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. All right, guys, there's no good way to transition this to basketball. So we're going to do it right now. The Thunder and the Rockets will resume play sometime this weekend. I assume Tillman Fertitta said that his his team is already practicing and preparing to play Oklahoma City. On He thinks it'll happen on Saturday, and he says that they'll beat the Thunder on Saturday. What do you guys think? I mean, maybe. <laughs> Could happen. Possible. Yeah, it's possible. A, it's, it, is, it is one of two possibilities. It is, it is one of the two possibilities. I mean, I think that like one of the un, unintended kind of benefits from this for the Rockets is the fact that, that a couple more days for Russell Westbrook to get his quad treated and, you know, continue to heal. But, it, you know, it benefits both teams. The Rockets were gassed at the end of game four. Yeah. Um, having, having an extra few days in between games is going to be a benefit to them, um, yeah. specifically like a P.J. Tucker as well. But at the same time, it's, it does at least feel like the Thunder have figured out um, ways to play in this series. Like it's pretty evident to me that they have figured out a way to get more space. They figured out a way, at least in game four to make Steven and even Noel uh, like actually playable in stretches. And so I think it's as it's, it really is like, it's the, you know, old adage of like, it's a zero zero series, but it really does feel like this is like, okay, now we're going to see these teams not changed by gimmicks or a weird way to play defense or, but this is going to be the best of us versus the best of them. And let's see what happens over the next three games, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially now, like it's only been what two days in it. Like whenever one of these big events happens, it feels like it's weeks. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's so emotional. So now it's only been two days, but it feels like we haven't played in two weeks already. Yeah. feels mm-hmm. brand new again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like now I feel there's no, I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. I know it's, it's, it's going to be super interesting to see how these things carry over. Cause it did. You're right, Jay. It felt like the thunder started to figure it out. I've started to figure out the rotations and stuff like that. And they've, they've got to play the small ball lineup more. I'm not saying that you have to eliminate big men altogether, but it, that lineup is too effective and has been too effective to not, give it more run. And so I just wonder if they're going to if they're going to uptick that the that lineup just a little bit more. Here so let me ask this question. Um so number 1 is this is not really a question, it's more of a comment. Like NBA fans or Thunder fans that get frustrated when we have these conversations about Adams not playing. Like do they know that if we get past round 1 to round 2 that Steven will play all of his minutes? <laughs> Like every other right. potential round beyond here and now or beyond here and all the way to the NBA finals, the center will play. There's just times where you have to um, pivot. And it's just, this is such a easy, like it's so clearly evident watching this game. Like, Hey, this team is better when Steve's not even on the floor. Like right now they're just playing better because there's so much more space offensively. They just turn into like a, just it's so stagnant whenever Steve is on the floor, just because they don't, they can't create the space they need to to dribble, penetrate, and and pass the ball out. And so it's one of those things for me where I'm like, 
This doesn't mean that Steven is useless. This doesn't mean that Steve never gets to play again. This just means that for this, this round, maybe Steve plays 20 to 25 minutes and then you fill the rest of those spots. Like you have to space the floor with this Rockets defense. They've just figured out like, Hey, we, we can't do what we want to do man to man. And so we're just going to clog up everything and you're going to have to beat us from the outside. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just, that's the, the thing for me. I'm like, everybody just hold on. Like don't panic when we say that Steve can't play. Like that doesn't mean he's useless. It just means that in this series, it's something that doesn't really benefit the Thunder play. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this, why does it for us? And maybe I just don't pay enough attention to other teams. It has felt like for our entire existence as a franchise that we play teams and we can never force them to play a different way, but we are always forced to play a different way. Is that fair? I, I think it's somewhat fair, but you could also say that the thunder, the way that they have defended has forced the rockets into doing things that they didn't do all regular season. So True. Dort, you mean Dort, just say it. I'm just talking about Dort. I was, <laughs> I got to be on the athletic NBA show for today. We should go check that out. And I just pretty much talked about Dort the whole time. Just, just that's all they want from you right now. Just pushing, just pushing Dort, you know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they they had to adjust their entire offense for for Dort, and they had to that's start, crazy, start setting ball screens. And I mean, because they weren't. I mean, it was just hardened ISOs and driving kicks, and that was it. You know, it's not. It was very simple, but they had to start setting screens so that they could potentially give Harden some breathing room and credit to Dort. He's fighting over those screens because you watch other NBA teams play. I mean, how many guys are fighting over screens in the NBA? It's very, very few. It's, it's just switch, 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 which makes no sense because all it does is just give your opponent the advantage. And so, uh, huge credit to Lou Dort for being willing to fight over that because he could call switch as well. But that's actually something that always confused me when, so we do it to people all the time, right? Like Chris Paul will call up the screen so he can get on the big man. Yeah. And I was always confused. Like, why is this so easy? Why do teams just let the offensive team do that? Well, and it, it, you know, the and, and they'll do it three times years. in a row. Yeah. Huh? The Thunder did that a lot over the last three or four years. Well, I know, but that's something that's so confusing. It's like, why, if they have one of their best players that you know is trying to get a switch, just change, tell them to not switch. <laughs> I don't understand that. Yeah, it's I mean, better to at least try to fight over the screen and disrupt a play than give them exactly what they want. And how many times did Donovan Mitchell get switched on to Carmelo Anthony in that series? Oh, dude. A million? Just the All whole the time. time. Yeah. All the time. And instead of, yeah, yeah. The whole time. <laughs> yeah. It's so I do agree, Jay, that, but the Thunder, ha- I mean, you have to adjust to this Rockets team. They're too weird not to adjust to. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the Thunder don't have a guy to make them pay for playing small. They don't have him. No. If you had Jokic, if you had Embiid, if you had somebody like that, where you could throw the Nurkic or Nurkic. Yeah. Nurk. You throw the ball to them and they can make, they can score 30 points in a game. Steven Adams never scored 30 points in a game. It's never happened. And Steven Adams is not a great post-up player. Where Steven thrives is setting screens, rebounding, rolling to the basket, scoring around the basket, um, and like a dump-off situation. He's not a guy that you want to throw the ball to in the post. And so I'm, I'm glad they're not doing that a ton. But it doesn't mean Steven's not effective. I think that Steven has been very effective in just wearing out these big guys quote, quote, for, um, yeah. Cause they, every the, time a ball goes up, like in the, I mean, they're triple blocking him out Yeah, and he is making them work every single time because he is just so giant. Yeah. It looked a little different in game four to me. Did it? It looked a little bit different. Steven was able to do some more things in the paint just, and I don't, I don't know if that's, that is a product of them being worn down or PJ Tucker like being more hurt. Cause he's, I mean, I feel bad for PJ Tucker. It seems like he's like getting progressively worse as this series goes on. And so I do, I, people ask in Twitter questions about who this benefits. I mean, it, it benefits the Rockets tremendously because it looked like the Thunder were ready to, to go. 
They'd figured it out. They figured out the right way to play. I think they'd yeah. played enough guys throughout the series. The guys hadn't played a crazy amount of minutes unless, I mean, Shea's really the only one that's played a, a crazy amount of minutes. That they're ready to go. And now the Rockets get a chance to kind of rest and, and get recovered. And I'm a, I'm a little bit more worried than I was. I, if they would have played Wednesday, I would have picked the Thunder. Now they're playing Saturday. I don't know. And I don't know what version of Russ shows up. I don't know right. how good he looks, if he's able to play. We still don't know if he's able to play. If he does play, does he have the explosion to get to the rim? Because if he does, the rim has been wide open. Eric Gordon's proven that over and over again. And so if Russ... Yeah, but can, you can... I just think... I think you can just play it so differently with Russell versus Eric Gordon on the floor. Just because you, like, you don't have to play for his three-point shot. Yeah, you just don't have to. You, I mean, you still contest it a little bit, but you're not flying out to contest. Yeah. Because what you see with Steve that's causing problems at the rim is he, he... They're basically... It seems as if they've told them, like, listen, we'll give up layups all day. Mm-hmm. Get out to the three-point line. Um but right now, this will give you the first time in this series, like the chance to not do that, uh, to be a little more mindful of the lane. And so I think it changes the dynamic across the board. The biggest shift for the Thunder is not just Dort. Dennis Schroeder becoming Dennis Schroeder again has been been the game changer for this series. Mm-hmm. Like He's been amazing in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, those three guards, they averaged about 60 to 65 points per game during the regular season. And that's the way it has to be. Actually, they probably have to average more in the playoffs and they have been averaging more in those two wins, but it has to be like that because going back to what we're saying, who else is going to be the offense? It's not going to be Steve. You're like, if Steve gives you 10 points in a night, that's great. Good job, Steve. You did it. But yeah, Schroeder has to, it's kind of crazy. He has to score like 30. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you get space for those guys, like what's the likelihood that you're going to get more Gallo open threes if you've got him waiting as Shooter or Chris is penetrating? Like the fact that, number one, nobody on the floor can stay with Shooter. Like it's so clearly evident. They don't have a defender that can stay in front of Shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Shooter's, and he's also searching out uh, mismatch. Or matchup problems. And so he yeah. puts Jeff Green in the mixer, you know, and, and it's over. And so it's one of those things like, but if, you, if you're able to utilize a more spread out offense where you have Dort, Schroeder, Shea, Chris, and Gallo, then Gallo can be that that additional piece as well. Because, I mean, we forget, like he's he had a great game one. He was pretty good game two, which we forget those games. Um, but he's become kind of a quiet factor in the last few games. But that dude can put up 30 without belief. Yeah, that's, you know. That's actually true. I completely looked over Gallo. If all four of them are firing, oh, baby. I mean, uh, like, as Rockets fan, if I were a Rockets fan and my my team was playing like theirs had played the last, if my best player was letting me down, they think James Harden's letting them down. And I looked at the OKC squad and saw Schroeder doing whatever he wants, Chris Paul, SGA, Gallo. I'm, I'm a little nervous. I really am. I'm looking at those guys and being like, at, all of them can put up 20, 25 any night. Yeah. And um, I, I do think this is one of the, one of the deeper offensive OKC teams we've ever had. Cause we've always relied on two guys to get us like 70 points, <laughs> you know, especially. And we haven't even mentioned game. Darius Baisley yet who can get you 30 on any. <laughs> That's right. 30 to 40. Baze has been actually good, man. Yeah, he has. He shot 50% from the field. In these games, and he re- he's wow. been a yeah, great rebounder. Anymore. I mean, he's been really, really nice. He's been pretty good on defense too. Um, yeah, switching has. and getting up on players and stuff. So yep. he's he's man. This year, just look back at this year. I remember the first games preseason, and then the first games of the year. You're like, man, he's got a long way to go. And very quickly, he added to his game and learned super quick. And you look at him now. And he definitely—he looks like he's played 160 games. He looks like he's had two full NBA mm-hmm. seasons. Yeah, yeah he, he looks, looks good. He looks more and more confident. And that's just going to grow, man. Baisley's ceiling is incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the beginning of this season and, like, when regular games are happening feels like it was two or three years ago. Yeah, an eternity. 
I bet if you could measure our stress levels, it's probably about two to three years worth of anxiety and stress for all of us. What would be crazy is the life expectancy like will drop like two years for all of us. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody will just have like two less years because of one year. 2020 lasted five. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I, the other thing, if let's say this, the game is rescheduled to uh, Saturday or Sunday, I'm, I'm tired of the games that are taking place during my work day. (laughs) It's very, very (laughs) difficult to work when that's happening. Don't work then, man. You know what the work is? The last, the last game I watched it on ESPN, like where it's just like, like Chris Paul makes a steal. Game Chris cast. Paul had shot. Yeah. Yes, and so I was watching it on the game deck, and then I got into my car, was listening to it in my car, and then I got home and got to watch the fourth quarter uh, on the uh, on the television. And so I, it was the weirdest way I've ever experienced a game. I think that games will only be five thirty and after now. With yeah, because the once they eliminate a few playoff series, it, it takes those games out. Yeah, yeah. But just the not to like we didn't even touch this, but like the weirder series for the shutdown or the boycott was these ones that only have one game left. Yeah, like the Lakers, Trailblazers. You've got the like, Magic Bucks. Like, yeah, there's just all these scenes where it's like. Let's get this well, over with. Like, come on, just eliminate us so we can go home. Aaron Gordon left. Yeah, he's like, I'm going home. I'm done with this. Aaron yeah, Gordon but... left, and then Lillard is back in Portland. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It's like, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Portland's going to – they're literally spend, – they'll spend five extra days in the bubble just to get absolutely destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, you guys want to answer some Twitter questions? Let's do it. Okay. It's from at Levi Burge. Do our future picks in 24, 25, and 26 work with our rebuild timeline? Our young core, SGA, Baisley, Dort, will be entering their prime while players from those picks <laughs> will need years to develop. Do you think Thunder trades the picks early for players or uses the picks? I think everything is on the table for this. Um... My my best guess is they're gonna fill out who they what they really have with these guys, because right now the only one that seems like he's could be potentially a transcendent talent is Shea, right? Like, Shea how dare you? Some, how dare you? Right? How dare you? Yeah, there's a you know nobody's building a roster on Marcus Smart, uh, <clears throat> so it is one of those things. I think that it just depends on what you see from these guys. If Bayesley develops in a crazy way, um, you don't know, but. I do think that there will be, you don't need this many picks, but you need this many assets to get the players you want going forward. And so Mm -hmm. I think what you'll see is packaging some of these picks in the future to get guys or higher in the draft uh, along the way. And so, and and we're, I don't even think honestly, like we're not even to the end of getting assets because once the thunder get ridiculously under the cap, uh, then they can start absorbing bad contracts, which who knows? Everything's going to change because of the collective bargaining and all that. But the Thunder could continue to get even better assets, not to mention their own as they go forward. And so yeah. we're just barely scratching the surface of what this team's assets are going to be in the next five to 10 years. Ass, 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 assets. Well, <laughs> well, hopefully they'll just have picks and no players at some point, you know, just only picks. It's kind of the we're going to send out the season, but we have 35 picks. I <laughs> feel so good. No, I think that's a down to dunk way. That's right. No, I think that the thought that those picks couldn't be valuable to the team is wrong because if I mean, look at how many young guys are the Thunder playing right now on this playoff team. They're playing three guys that are in their second or first year, right? Three so, to six, depending on Billy's night. That's that's right. I mean, I just think, <laughs> man, I just think that it's those are the most valuable type of contracts, and guys are are more prepared to play in the NBA today than they were five years ago. Like prospects coming into the league, you see younger guys like Donovan Mitchell came into the league and was a rookie and dominated in the playoffs. I think you see Darius Baisley, he's contributing. You see Lou Dort, he's contributing. You see Luka Doncic in his second year, destroying the league, right? 
So to me, I think that guys are getting more prepared to play in the NBA and play at a high level. And then also those rookie contracts are the most valuable contracts. If you get a lottery pick with one of those picks and you have SGA in his prime and you've got whoever they get in the draft in the next few years in their prime, and then you can add a lottery pick rookie to that team that could possibly play. I mean, that's that's what you want, right? I mean, I don't think that you're necessarily just trying to trade those picks because if you can get a guy that can come off the bench and put in 20 points, that's a rookie. Dude, I mean, that's where that's how you win titles is like you stack talent like that and you're able to get guys because the Thunder aren't going to go out in free agency and get talent. It's just not going to happen. The most talented player they've got in free agency is New Orleans Noel. Nice player. He's not he's not a, a needle mover. He's not a difference maker, though. You can get one of those guys in the draft because they have to come to your team. They have to. So, And I think the other thing to remember for me is like if, if we're thinking four or five years, so that's 2024, 2025. <laughs> I mean, Shea is 26 at that point. It's not yeah, like that's, he's 35. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, like, there is there is a window, right? And I think maybe this is what the – listeners is really talking about is do you want to build for five years or do you want to try to build a team in two to three years and have a, have a longer window with Uh, those guys. But those picks are icing on the cake at the end. They're not, those aren't, those aren't picks you're building around. Like, Oh, I can't wait till 2026 where we can finally build the team, you know? Well, no, but you could, but you could take those future picks and trade for, people for like vets or players that could help your team then in that window. And I think that's what he's talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible, but I also, you don't want to sell on those early. Yeah. Yeah. With the, I mean, it's possible that those rockets picks are, are mid first round picks or lottery picks. And so you sell on those now because we don't know what the rockets are going to look like. If the thunder beat the rockets in round one, and then the Rockets don't get to the conference finals in the next year or two. You think James Harden's sticking around just to ride it out? There's no way. There's no way. Ride or die, ride or die with Tillman. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. When I'm, my, my point was, is like, <laughs> it's not a, you're not a bad place if you got a 26-year-old that's getting close to his prime and then a 21-year-old who's a year or two in the league that is yeah. – an elite level or close to like you're in a good spot if you have guys contributing from multiple you know like it's what the thunder tried to do in theory with like a jeremy lamb or i mean you can insert guy that that they tried to get a young guy cameron Payne, even who's this rookie playing with a bunch of late 20 year olds Mm -hmm. hoping that they could be contributors um the thunder just peaked way too quick to make their picks you know as valuable um, but Cam was somebody else's pick anyway, wasn't he? Anyway, I don't remember. No, that's the Thunder's pick. That's when that was yeah. the plagues of Egypt season. Oh. Yeah. So, but you know what I'm saying? Like it was just one of those things where they just didn't hit on it. If they would have hit on it, then the Thunder would have exactly what, you know, we're kind of hoping they'll have where you have one era of really elite players. And then you have another era of really good players that playing yeah. together and figuring this thing out. Then you got you know 10, how, 15 years of success. You know how old Kawhi Leonard was when the Spurs won in 2014? 22. 22 years old, baby. Yeah, exactly. So you had 75-year-old Tim Duncan and 22-year-old Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> yeah, you did have. Tim Duncan was 37. All right, let's uh, 36. roll through some more TQ questions. Um, this one, is this right? I don't know. Am I, it's, I don't know if this doc is up to date. Is this doc up to date? Uh, Andrew's, Andrew's gone away. Andrew died. I don't know. I don't think I don't think it is, but I don't know. Oh, Luke, hey man. What's up, hey, Luke? guys? I was Luke, I was what's going on, on, dude. I was putting on deodorant and getting ready for work. Oh, you gotta wear put on that DO for that BO, right? Yeah, I can't can't smell that at the work. They don't like it. No. God, I forgot to put on deodorant the other day and I showered the night before. It only took until one PM before I was I was a stinky man. Pretty right. Yeah. All right. Do you guys, do you guys smell bad when you smell? Some, some people TQs. don't smell. Let's roll through some TQs. Which rock? You don't want to talk from, about BO? No. Which Benelli- or this one is from <laughs> at Ben Elephant King. I got to go here in just a second anyway. Oh. At Ben Elephant King. Which rocket has the most annoying post foul or non foul call face? 
Oh, Who knows you man. Most for the Rockets, maybe is another way to say that. I mean, James Harden is easily the most oh, welcome annoying. Welcome back, dude. Hi, back. Yeah, James Harden, well, very annoying. Man. PJ Tucker, very annoying. Eric Gordon's face. Eric Gordon's been getting me, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's killer. Austin Rivers, killer. Dude, it's it's like every single call. They are. And you know what? There's been so many times that the Rockets are complaining and not getting back on defense. Yeah. And I'm like, go, 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 go. I know. And there's been a couple times like some missed opportunities with those where Eric Gordon's staying back or James Harden's staying back. And there's a five on four situation and we just don't get going quick enough. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Eric Gordon's face has been ugh, yeah, really tugging, really tugging my nips, if you know what the I mean. Tony as well. All right, what about this question from at ZXVO3? Given that Schroeder is still young, 26 years old, do you believe he should be part of the rebuild with with SGA, Bays, and Dort? No. I don't think so. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think they're going to trade him, especially with him playing, you know, really, really well. I've never thought he was like a long-term thing. Yep. All right. Next question from at Fluky. Any way to get Golden State's pick with a Gallo sign and trade or any sort of collection of picks or anything else? Nope. <laughs> be a fun one. Can, hey, fun can one? you guys? Uh, can you can guys? Can we? Can we? <laughs> can you guys uh, name all of Eric Gordon's nicknames? Go. Uh, E.G. Phone Home. E.G. is one. The Hobbit. The Hobbit is one. Uh, air, uh, there's a Air Jordan one. Air Gordon. Air Gordon, yes. You've got one, two, three, four more. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so here's all his nicknames. The Hobbit. Gordon the Floorman. Uh, Gordon the Foreman. Uh, the Hobbit. <laughs> E-Money. E.G., E.J., Splash Gordon, 3G, and Air Gordon. Uh, he gave Murfton, himself all those. Just too many. Murfton Jumjis. Murfton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slam and jam and Eric Jordan. <laughs> you guys nervous? This is uh, <clears throat> at Marco Orozco, Orozco 14. Uh, are you more nervous for the series if Westbrook comes back? I think I'll enjoy Jay it more. Yeah, Jay's I, gone. I, I think I'll enjoy it more. I, uh, you know, because it, it wasn't announced that he was that he wasn't going to be that he was hurt until like we were headed towards games. So I was like excited for it. It'll be, I think, it'll be more fun to face uh, another familiar face. Yeah. Thunder fan twenty four fifteen wants to know who guards Russ. Steve. So- Steve on a man. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that's the best player for Steven to guard. I don't, I don't think you waste like, I mean, I guess you could put someone like SGA on him too. Put SGA or Chris on him. SGA has got good yeah. length. And yeah, Chris is exactly. just a, a bothersome person. True. Put on him. Um, let's see. Not many fun ones. We got just this is just a basketball pod today, you guys. What the heck? Uh, hey, Dor- did, did, have I talked about have I talked about well done Chick-fil-A fries to you guys? Uh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have. But okay. you can I have. reveal. Okay, I have but I haven't talked to the podcast about it. When you go to Chick-fil-A, not all of them do this. I've heard back that like the expressway Oklahoma City Chick-fil-A doesn't do this, hmm. but some do. Ask for your fries. Well done. They keep them in the little fry fryer longer, and they're crispier and a hundred percent better. A hundred percent. They have. A, I've, com- I've never had a problem with Chick Fil A's fries, though. I've never thought. Mm, I wish these were crunchier. They're always cooked perfectly. Well, maybe. It's because you're limited by your brain, your own imagination. Okay. <laughs> I try had the experience yet. Try it. If you like crispy fries, it changes. It, it makes like, I think it's so much better. I'm never going back. 
Wow. I've got to go. I've got to try this. I'm, I'm, you have to. I'm down with most anything that's very well done outside of steak, but yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm then, then you're going to, it is going to be a religious experience for you. <laughs> you're really going to like it. <laughs> oh, predictions for game five. Oh, I'm feeling nervous again. I'm starting to feel yeah. the nerves. You guys got I any think predictions? The Rockets win. Yeah. I just think they, they have a lot of rest. And we were actually starting to benefit from them being tired. And now I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. So I think the Rockets win this game. Yeah. And maybe we can wear them down to, and take the next one. But right on track, guys, for our uh, predictions. For though. game seven. Shoot. I know. I feel like we're heading for seven as well. I tend to agree that the Rockets win game five and the Thunder adjusts win game six and then game seven. So toss up. I think the Rockets win, but they beat us so bad. It's worth two games. <laughs> just end it. <laughs> Season over. I Season over. I really appreciate your reverse jinx. Um, your reverse jinx is this season. You've done probably five of them on the pod now. I've got to do them. It's been good. I, gotta, I found some. I found some that works, and uh, I'm happy with them, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, Austin underscore thirty five wants to know who's on the Mount Rushmore of OKC Thunder beat writers. Oh, you're going to have to help me remember who they are. Um, Do we just have, is it just one statue? Is it just Royce? I think it's just Royce. Um, I thought Darnell, I liked Darnell. I think he's got to be up there. I mean, he's a legend. He's an OKC legend for this young young franchise. He was the first beat writer. So Royce, Darnell, Darnell's the George Washington yeah yeah and gosh who are your other favorites i mean i thought slater was great and is still great yeah slater was really good i just i feel like betrayed by him yeah it's true probably brett i really enjoy reading brett stuff brett's brett's still a a thunderbeat writer right now writing on the okc dream team side so brett well then, look at that. Uh, I just love Fred Cat's coverage of the Thunder. Yeah, God. yeah. I think we put the I think we put the Catman on there. You got to put the Catman. Yeah, guys, I, I've Brett. got to go. I've got to go to Brett. work. Well, I gotta go too. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. At I Dad's gotta go dump. take a dump. I'm I'm interrupt you. Okay, thanks, Dad. Uh, <laughs> hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks so much for listening. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, just like the L-Man did. If you haven't read the L-Man's five-star review of his own <laughs> podcast, you got to go check that out. It's well worth your time. And while you're there, just hit five stars. Thanks so much. Enjoy the weekend. And we'll talk to you guys again on Monday. Monday. Monday.